0: In the 21st century Podcast number 165. This is Casey Seymour, your host with my co-host, I guess, Aaron Finnell here, a part of the Movement Iron Podcast. And um, last week, Aaron and I kicked around the idea of, you know, those higher horsepower uh, articulated um, four-wheel drives and then how the rise of the row crop machine started to kind of swing its head around here a little bit in the last, you know, Last 10 years, we've had 350 horsepower row crops pretty easy, um, and within the last five years, we've had um, 400 plus horsepower uh, row crops start popping up. So I couldn't think of a better person to have this discussion with than the man, the myth, the legend himself, Aaron Finnell. How you doing,
1: buddy? <laughs> pretty good, man. Pretty good. Everybody, can't hold your applause. I can't hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So let's kick this off. You all know, right. hey, first of all, establish your global footprint. Where are you this exact very moment? Uh, I
0: am in uh, Kiev, Ukraine. There you go. Getting ready to... Global. Global attitude. Yeah. Got to try to find some, some lucky winners over here to buy equipment from us. So see if we can't get that figured out. Right on. All right, man. So let's talk about this for a second. Last week we we're talking about uh, tillage, and that's kind of where we kind of steered ourselves off into this, uh, into this uh, kind of rise of the 400 plus horsepower uh, row crop tractor, and what that looks like, and and how that was becoming more of an integral part of um, the tillage marketplace, just as for com- almost more of a compact tractor compared to a four wheel drive. But the more I thought about it after we had that conversation, the more I thought about. There's a lot of a lot of pros to having that high horsepower row crop tractor, but there's also a lot of cons of having a, a row crop tractor versus a four-wheel drive in various situations. So I guess let's start there. What's your opinion? Let's take a look at this. Let's do a, let's do a quick poll between the two of us here. What's your opinion of that high horsepower row crop tractor and the niche it
1: feels compared to a, the traditional four-wheel drive? Okay. I, and this is, this is opinion. Okay. This isn't any kind of industry brains involved in this, right? Right. My opinion is 400 plus is four wheel drive. Okay. Now the reason for that is, and this, this will dwell. Well, no, get, give your opinion. Um, I think they both
0: have their place in various situations. I'm going to say that if you are a predominantly a row crop, producer, I'm talking the corn and soybean guy, um, I think that this machine, this particular machine um, takes the place of what a four-wheel drive can do in planting, in um, some tillage work, and those kind of things. Now, like I said, there's pros and cons of that, but I also think that there's a spot in that large row crop operation for a 620 horsepower four-wheel drive way to do the gills, Pulling a 2,000 bushel grain cart behind
1: it. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, the reason that I say the 400 on up is four wheel drive is because if you're pulling DB90, you know, planner or bigger or, you know, whatever color, a 36 row a ninety foot planner or you know some of the tillage equipment. You take a four hundred to four four hundred to five hundred that size of tractor. <clears throat> the main two jobs across the country for that tractor is planner and grain cart. Right. Okay. In both instances, the planner less so you can get a you know an I'm gonna screw up the name. An eight R four ten. Correct. Good job. One of them on a on a ninety foot planner.
0: Yeah.
1: And and it'll it'll be fine. The thing my my big but my biggest thing is and I say the four hundred on it is because when you get to that horsepower, you're pulling something that you know and and I guess I'm thinking from the roading sense or just the generic handling sense. You got to be able to control the damn thing. Right. You take an 8R410. There, I did it twice. Now it's committed to memory. You take an 8R410 and throw it on one of them 2096 brand carts, it'll pull it all day long. That's fine. But you got to be able to control that. And, and that's, that's my thing. Horsepower to operate something is different than handling it. Right. And that's where, that's where my, that's where I kind of draw the pretend line in the sand. That 400 horse, I need that rig to be able to handle what it can pull. It can pull it all day long, uphill, downhill, sideways, round corners, whatever out in you know, field operation, but I got to be able to control the son of a bitch. Right. Okay. The other thing you run into is you take a 400 on down and I'm, I'm using deer here and the, you know, the 1000 challenger or whatever Fent calls it, that it's actually built by Fent. We know that, but I don't know the Fent model. Axion, nine thirty. Okay, there you go. I think you take that rig, and you're gonna want to. You're, and I'm not talking about like the manure haulers that have the seven ten rear duels and six hundred front duels. I'm talking about it being set up like a regular row crop tractor. Okay, four eighty fifty rears, four twenty thirty four fronts dual you know both duals weighted up whatever and you take your four-wheel drive setup for row crop you have way more footprint by having eight 480 50s than you do with four 480 50s and four 420 34s, which footprint equals traction footprint equals less compaction so there's that part of it too and then you get guys that say, well, no, that four-wheel drive is going to pack it down way more. But if you take an 8R 410 or a 9 420R and you weight the piss out of that 410 so that you can get all that power to the ground a four-wheel drive properly weighted because guys will do the same shit with it. Guys just the world is very in love with wheel weights. <laughs> <laughs> About that. And <laughs> and if you and if you look at a lot of our inventory, we're some of the guiltiest ones in the world. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. as long as you're not overweighting that four-wheel drive, if you have it weighted for proper operation, it's going to have less compaction than that mechanical front wheel. Plus, more efficiently put power to the ground. Plus handle the machine better. Right. That's true. That's a good point. That's 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 just my thoughts. Now on the flip side, you take a we'll use 370s. You take a 9370R properly weighted and 8370R properly rated that 8370R will out pull, outwork that 9370 R all day. They have you have – and that's just because you have more parasitic loss of power through drivetrain in that nine than you do in that eight. Right. Yep. So, with that
0: – okay, that was the next thing I was going to bring up to you. So, now you've got a real crop that's basically the same horsepower Um when you look at the, the 370R versus the 9-370R, right? And then you Right. Look, now you've got this – um the 8R410 and the 9 r r right? So two different, uh, 10 different horsepower between the two, but significantly different machines. Right. Probably still going to have the same parasitic loss um, out of, and, then, and have a similar situation. So now back to your 400 horsepower argument, which one's the right one to have?
1: Well, see now in my definition, you're at the borderline there because you're at 400. You're a tweener. Yeah, yeah, you're How you're a tweener. Like it it depends. It depends what you're doing. Right. There, you know, if you're in one of those applications where, trying to think of what the hell, if you're in an application where you have high PTO demand power not necessarily the pulling power or the weight that you're pulling that's where the 8 is really going to shine okay right. if it is a heavy load situation like your what your the machine you're pulling or dealing with is very heavy just by itself you know, take take the 2,000 bushel grain cart. That's where you go with the nine. Yep.
0: I think my opinion of those, when you start looking at those two machines, and you kind of brought it up a little bit ago, when you're talking about the tillage aspects of it, um, and I'm more more towards tillage than, than the planting side of it is, but the natural weight of the four-wheel drive compared to, compared to the natural weight of a uh, row crop, I think if you're looking at high-speed planting and those kind of things and the size of, of the machine and pulling it across the field, i got to think you'd you want to lean towards that four-wheel drive more than that row crop tractor if you're looking at a 25- or 30-foot um, high-speed disc. Yeah. I just think it would yeah. perform better, don't you? Don't you think it would just – I've not seen either one of the – I mean, I've not seen a row crop tractor behind there. We always – dress ours up with uh, when we get one we always dress ours up with uh the 9620 rx just so it we know there's tons of horsepower there to make it go out and do what it needs to do but um i just feel like just the ballast of the four-wheel drive and and like you said uh the weight and it's a, it's a longer machine you know so you're gonna have you're gonna have a little bit better control of that of that disc pulling you down behind i think it just makes more sense to me to look at a four wheel drive and, and for tillage situations.
1: Yeah, and okay, to use the high speed disc reference because they are a very, very popular machine. Whether it regardless of what color brand that high speed disc is, you gotta be scooting when you pull that thing. Right. And I would never I would I have always recommended to guys from personal experience dealing with them that if you have 30 foot or bigger plan on 500 horse, well that there that solves any argument because that 35 or that 30 footer needing 500 horse, boom, automatically paired with a four wheel drive. Right. You get to that 25 and then it's kind of what do you, you know, it's kind of buyer's choice type deal there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the other side too.
0: The flip side, so you get the pros and cons here. So we did a podcast. I don't know how many podcasts ago, but we talked about the uh, the evolution of foil drives with with the uh, high flow pumps, three point PTO, and how those become have become a big deal. It almost seems like the the row crop tractor high pump uh, situations were a lot more prevalent than in foil drives for a long, long time, and now we're starting to see that kind of flip around, you know, hydraulic demand on, on equipment anymore is, is high irregardless of, of what what you're using it seems like. But when you start looking at those, those two machines sitting next to each other one's got three point or both of them got three point PTO and, and high flow pumps um, then you have to start thinking about your weight considerations and what you've got as far as stopping power or roading safety and those kind of things and I, I feel like I'm kind of with you when you start looking at – let me think about putting a a 42-foot air seater with a, what, 350-bushel car behind it, full up, ready to go. I mean, that's – you got a lot of weight going down the road there, and you need need a heavy machine that can stop itself plus what you got coming behind it. So I'm kind of with you a little bit on that. When you look at it from it's, a planting perspective.
1: Right. It's kind of like in the diesel pickup versus toter truck scenario. Right. You can go diesel pickups nowadays will pull all kinds of shit that they really shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> they They have got unlimited power, mm-hmm. you know, transmissions, rear ends, you know, they'll do all kinds of shit. They still just have pickup brakes. Right. You know, and that's where the the toter truck thing has really come to life in the last five, ten years. The tractor thing's kind of the same. You know, you got a three seventy that'll pull all kinds of shit, but it's not gonna handle it like a nine three seventy will. Right. <clears throat> little different in machinery, you right. know, where you know, obviously everything with the with the two different – with the pickup truck scenario is all road-related. And your main aspect of the tractor world is field right. action. But you still – you're still handling it even when you're in the field. Yeah. It's not just pulling it. Yeah. So – You know, you know I, could, I can remember in the days of cultivators – you know, guys getting 16-row cultivators on the backs of 4840s, forty eight fifty two wheel drives, you know, and they, they can pull it all day long. And they can kind of lift it up at the end if they got enough damn weights and tanks and all this shit on the front. And then going down the road, you really got to slow down. To turn, to turn, because you do all your turning by brakes. The front tires are just barely touching, so that's you know that's an old school scenario. Of hell yeah, I can pull that through the field, but and and even the three point probably even lift it up. Yeah. But then how do you control the tractor?
0: <laughs> exactly. No, that makes sense. That's a good point. So okay, machines as they as they evolve here, we start looking at different things that they're set up with. We're starting to see more and more stuff come out with with trailer brakes and implements having brakes um, on them and those kind of things. How does right. this play in that scenario? You think?
1: Well, when when we get to where that is, there more more prevalent across you know the industry, then I think that takes a little bit of the which one should I buy scenario out of it? Because your handling aspects are there for either rig, you know? Yeah.
0: Yep. And that's, that was the, that's kind of like the one outlier when that becomes a very standardized thing that we'll see more high horsepower, real crop tractors than we will full wheel drives doing stuff. We saw four wheel drives doing with the exception of, where you need five or six hundred horsepower, uh, I've, I've right? For demand, you know what I mean. And, and
1: basically, say, basically, what you're saying is, when we get to that point where everything has brakes and all this kind of shit, yeah. My argument of the where 400 is the breaking point then automatically moves to where 500 is the breaking point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Basically, to some, yeah. To some extent, yeah. That's kind of my. I would be what I was saying. The other thing about that, too, the other side of that is, I mean, how much how much damn bigger can you make a row crop tractor be before it's just you're running triple 710s across it instead of triple 480s? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And sooner or later, I mean, that's what you talked to your point earlier. You're going to start seeing guys put, instead of triples, they're going to start putting quadruples or, you know, five rear tires across the back to get the, the right flotation and the right amount of surface area to the ground so they can go out and do that. I mean, then you're just making the machine wider. So how, how does that solved any safety problems?
1: Well, and I'm not, yeah, not just safety, but handling or yeah. not handling n- nimbleness that, right. and that's where, that's where when you get your, both of them are 400, that's a huge factor too that we haven't discussed—the nimbleness of that mechanical front and the ability to do more things with it than just be a big giant right. power plant. Yeah, that
0: does that does make a make a big difference. So because right now, most of these county roads, when you have a if you have a uh, a four wheel drive of any model, maker model running down the road that's got uh, dual eight hundreds on it, that's that's the entire shoulder to shoulder pretty much of that of that road you're going down.
1: Absolutely. Yep.
0: <laughs> so that, that becomes another, another situation to talk about when you look at this stuff is again. Okay. So now you're going to start putting triples on there. Even, even a, uh, a 410 with an eight, eight R410 with triples on it. That's pretty wide in the back. I mean, you're an 800 and a half, I guess is what you're, no, you wouldn't be yeah, at 800 and a half, three quarters, I guess of, of a, of that same spacing that you would see on that four-wheel drive with 800 duals on it. But, um, there's a, uh, sooner or later you start running out of road space.
1: Well, actually you'd be every bit as wide as the dual 800s simply because of you have space. Oh yeah. Space. You gotta account for the space between oh, yeah.
0: the three tires too. So, yeah. so you really haven't narrowed it up at all, but Right. Nimbleness yeah, right. Right, point. Being the nimbleness of that row crop tractor is more than in the full wheel drive. You're able oh, to, like, absolutely. in and out and back around, and it's not it's not as long, right? It's not you know, it's not as much of a machine there making anything happen, but it's kind
1: of like kind of like my least favorite series of tractors, seven Rs. <laughs> All right. You know, you get a seven three ten R versus an eight three ten R. Yeah, there are a couple situations where that seven is ideal machine. Right. Yeah. We sell a lot of high horsepower sevens for to to dairies and feedlots for running feed wagons. Right. Yep. A lot of horsepower, strictly for the PTO use of it in a smaller package. You know, and then my personal thought, you know, once you hit 235 or 245 on up, I'm 100%, 100, 100,000% 8R versus 7R, -hmm. you know, even though, and I know guys, I've actually talked to a guy who has put the triple, you know, triple mowers, a huge gaining popularity thing. Yep, I have a lot of guys calling me about them. Those, and that's where the 7R kind of really shined. But there again, I've talked to a guy that had a, uh, what was it? Was it a 320? No, an 8295R front three-point front PTO, and he had a 30-foot triple mower on it, and it was just the greatest damn thing ever invented in the history of mankind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More often, though, you see the 7 because it's not as big. Right. And they still have TLS, and they got cab suspension, all that stuff, so you can put down 30 feet of hay at 15 mile an hour and just haul ass all day long. Right. Super productive machine. Plus, that tractor costs less than the 8R does. Right. So... You know, it's kind of that same argument when you get into that series versus the top end of eight, bottom end of nine, right. on which do you go with? Yeah.
0: <clears throat> so one thing I think we're leaving out in this conversation, as we've talked about nimbleness and we've talked about width of uh, transport and everything else, is how are the the track systems going to start playing a bigger Uh, Roll into what we see in the field as far as operation goes, whether it's a 9RX, an 8RX, uh, a um, Delta track or a quad track, case quad track, or, you know, case's half track system they've got, you know, start looking at putting 36-inch belts in the back versus, um, you know, tires and, and the amount of area that you actually put to the ground comparatively to running a couple tires out there. So how how what's your opinion of that and how do you think that's going to going to change um the way guys operate equipment as far as transport goes?
1: I'm I I like to think that I have a pretty good handle on the equipment business. Yeah. I have zero, zero, zero idea where that eight RX is gonna land. I'm right there with you. Is it gonna be take over the two-track and the tire world? Is it going to take over one of the two? Is it going to be still expensive? of love it, but someday when they're 10 years old, the hockey yep. they can afford them, but there was only five new ones sold. You know, it it falls into, there's so many unknowns with the 8RX that, I have no idea even to speculate where where they're gonna land outside of Cool Factor. It is the absolute the mayor, the sheriff, head janitor of Coolsville. Right. <laughs> Not a question right now. But from a machine utilization on the farm sense, I don't have a clue where that thing's gonna land. I think now I personally believe that the that the quad
0: or go ahead, finish your thought. Sorry. Go ahead, finish your thought.
1: The the small nine RXs, the four twenties and four seventies. Right. I see them gaining popularity within our territory. And nationally they're they're not gaining popularity as fast as I thought maybe they would, because I know, well, but if you look at that from the red scenario, case IH with their, what they call their road track, you know, their, their smaller quad tracks, there was a lot, I feel like a lot of guys jumped on those and they kind of, like the news worn off and they're just kind of, eh, they are what they are. Yeah. So, you know, a guys have gone back to actual quad tracks or something else. Wheels, you know, it's they're They're kind of a, a very damn expensive niche machine, right. whether they're red, green, yellow, whatever. Right. The, the, and the big quads, you know, regardless of what color, you know, I, they're, they're here to stay. They're going to keep doing their thing. So, of course, the big quads are in the, you know, over five, so they're not really part of this argument, but. And there's only one when it comes to deer, there's only one two track that would be in the argument, and that'd be the 470. And, you know, your option on that's 30 or 36, so you're not row cropping with it. Right. So I guess, I guess that's kind of my thoughts on that whole different, all those different segments and how they fall into that.
0: I think tracks are going to be a bigger, uh, broader part of. On portfolios on the farm um the, the argument that tracks are more expensive to operate known than than tires are is that's kind of not the same and that's not really true anymore um the price of tires have gone up so much and got so expensive that i mean it always costs you about the same to take care of to retire the tire machine as it does to you know fix the undercarriage and Put a new set of tracks on a on a track machine.
1: So, um, that's that's exactly right. Back in the back in the say the eighty four ten days, right? Yes, it was a lot more expensive to deal with tracks. Yep. Today, where you have eight tires on that row crop tractor, yep. and versus you know eight eighteen inch tracks on a three seventy yep. RT. It's actually cheaper in the long run. You know, if you look at like, say 8,000 hours, you're doing two sets of tracks, two sets of tires, plus you've had to fix, you know, something on the ILS or something there, you're, you're going to be the tracks in the long run is actually cheaper to operate in the long run than, than the front dual machine. So I
0: think in my my is that those have narrowed up and become a lot more equal with each other as far as as maintenance cost goes. I, I think there's going to be more tracks personally. I mean, there's less slip, right? More power to the ground. Um, I could go on for days about how great track machines are, but so I think I think that's going to be a bigger thing, and I think the RX eight RX is going to be a tractor that is going to be, um, you know, it might not be. Um, kind of like the high-speed planner, you know when it first came out um it wasn't necessarily taken off like a wildfire but within two or three years it was one of the one of the most high-demanded planners out there especially in the used marketplace that we that we'd seen you know so
1: oh yeah if you look at how many how many 2015 high speeds are out there yeah Versus how many seventeen or eighteen? Holy shit, dude! That's a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, amazing, absolutely amazing. So,
0: so I think it's like that. I think you're going to see a kind of a, a couple years of make sure let's watch it and see if what it's what it's, you know if, it, if it's worth the price tag type of thing. Kind of that mentality that we've seen here of late. And I mean, look at the number of aftermarket guys that have popped up with the bolt on. Uh, what's mud hogs got one, don't they? Like they're four wheel driver and they got for combines. Now you can get a track system on it or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You awesome. can put tracks on the S end of the combine. So you put tracks on the front tracks on the back. And you know, I just think, <clears throat> especially when you start looking at how muddy it's been over the last three seasons, planting seasons and harvest seasons. I mean, I just think there's a, I think tracks are going to have a, a bigger splash in uh in 2020 2021 than we've seen up to that
1: point yeah that could be could very well be accurate okay man well
0: any last thoughts you want to throw out there on this topic before we close you down
1: not that i can think of you know one other thing i was going to mention here quick you we were talking about nimbleness, and you made the statement how damn big can you make a row crop tractor and still have it be a row crop tractor? Right. If you go take a 4955 and park it next to a 370, right, it looks like you can fit two of those 4955s inside that 370. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so how big can you make it? We might be about there. There's a lot of sheds that you can't drive in a, a big Magnum or a big eight R with on fifties because the, you know, the damn shed, you, you could drive an eighty eight twenty combine in it, but you can't drive a damn road crop tractor in it. Right. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, we're kind of there. They're huge. Yeah.
0: Yep, and that's I mean, I bet you if even you put a a three seventy R next to a eighty three hundred and let them, and see how much bigger that machine is, then
1: yeah, that's,
0: I mean, that's, you'd be you'd be surprised. They dwarf them. Oh yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. Plus, you start looking at it. the other part of that too is is road infrastructure. You know what I mean? Just like these bridges can only hold so much, and you know, yeah, you know, exactly. They only make them so wide, you know, and uh, we we still build roads based on the width of of two uh, two horses next to each other pulling a pulling a uh, cart down the road, you know. So that, that <laughs> right I mean, sooner or later it's it's uh, we we kind of hit our point, I think. So yeah, right. Yeah. All right, man. Well, as usual, Aaron, appreciate you being on. Any any last thoughts you want to throw out there before we move it on down the road here?
1: nothing i can think of all right folks wanna reach i think out. i think i think we covered her pretty good today so oh. if folks want to reach out to you and
0: pick your brain about some stuff how's the best way to do that
1: well they can call me text me 308-760-1193 or uh, look me up on the twitterverse at aaron fintel i got some deals on there pretty often and interact with guys quite a bit on there too so that that would be by far the best two ways okay and i am casey seymour
0: you can find me on uh on facebook twitter instagram at moving iron llc check out moving for all the latest moving iron news so until next time i'm casey seymour with Aaron fiddle let's go move some iron folks have a good one out
1: moving iron in the 21st
0: century